Welcome back for another episode of Kentucky Daily. I'm your host, Derek Terry, a co-host, and uh, joined somewhere on I-75. I don't know where he is, uh, by our fellow Kentucky Daily host, Sean Smith. Sean, how you doing? I'm in that part of I-75 where you see all the Bucky's advertisements, and I just can't wait for that place to open because that's going to be my new pit stop on the way from Middlesbrough to Lexington, Derek. That might be who we need to hit up for a sponsor. Uh, $15 an hour, that's the ad, right? Somewhere <laughs> yeah, I was it's, I drove by 75. Uh, yeah. There, there's like 15 billboards from Berea to Mount Vernon. <laughs> yeah, so I just drove by those uh, last two days, actually. I was out uh, out that way, heading north on 75. Almost, almost one for each touchdown Kentucky scored versus Louisville. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We uh recording this on Monday, Saturday night, uh, as, as you fans know. I mean – Total dominance. We did not do a predictions episode of Kentucky Daily for the Louisville game. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on Monday, and then I did my picks uh, on catsballs.com. I told my – and I, I'm not going to give myself credit for this because I did not follow through with it. But uh, I do have two witnesses, one my wife, two my brother. Um, Friday night I told them. I just, I just got the feeling. I got a text with some info. Someone was telling me a little bit about uh, – about the team and the week that they'd had. And I, I got that feeling, Sean, that it was going to be a, a double-digit win for Kentucky. But I didn't pick that. And two, I would not have thought it would have been as lopsided as it as it ended up being. No, I, I wrote in the Herald Leaders predictions, I picked Kentucky by 10. And, man, was I way off. But, you know, I, <laughs> I, told, I told you two weeks ago, I said, I think Louisville might beat Kentucky. And that was when Kentucky was kind of struggling that second half of Vandy and then the way they started against New Mexico State. But you were – credit to you. You were quick each time to say, no, man, they're they're not going to lose to Louisville. But I don't think – I think we all thought it would be more competitive. But, man, there's still a huge physicality gap there between those two programs. There's a talent gap. And uh, me and you talked about this all night Saturday. We rode up to the game together and rode back. And you said it so many times like how prepared they are for that game every single year it's incredible the preparation that goes into it the the amount of effort that Mark Stoops puts into it I mean it certainly means something to him more than any other game on the schedule it does and we want to send our condolences it came out yesterday uh Scott Satterfield's father he found out about an hour before the game that his father had passed away uh my understanding was his father had been sick for a while but um really sad though uh because on top of the way that the game went obviously you knew he was dealing with uh a personal loss so really unfortunate for him yeah. we want to send our uh, thoughts out to scott satterfield in terms of the yeah. game sean yeah go ahead well, well one thing i was going to say too is and he could have easily in that post game yeah. brought that up you know and and kind of and not not rest, I don't want to say hiding behind it, Derek, but it would have been easy in that moment to to bring that up and kind of take. But honestly, I just think it shows the type of character Satterfield has. And I, I mean, I hated when I saw that news. Nobody even knew that until yesterday afternoon. So, um, I'm condolences, sympathy for him, and I mean, that's, that had to be brutal Saturday night finding that out. No question. Um, excuse me. Let's get into this game. And I'm a little bit under the weather, too, if anybody can tell my voice. So just bear with me, please. (laughs) You sound just fine. Um, In terms of the game, I mean, the star, I think, multiple. I mean, for UK, 
in terms of individual player kind of stuff in the stash sheet, it had to be Will Levis. You know, he had a career high 113 rushing yards. I want to say he already had his career high rushing by halftime, uh, but he rushed for four touchdowns. Um, Sean, very quietly, because no one had that on the docket. Uh, no one had it that Will Levis is going to score four rushing touchdowns. He finished the regular season as UK's leader in rushing touchdowns this year, which was very hard for me to believe. But he had nine. Uh, Chris Rodriguez had eight. So UK had seven touchdowns in this game, Sean. Every single one of them was on the ground. In addition to Levis's four, uh, you had Rodriguez, who led the team in rushing with 121 yards. He scored a touchdown in the third quarter. Lavelle Wright, of course, got in there at the very end of the game, had a 41-yard touchdown. And then Cavassier Smoke provided an all-time uh, GIF for fans with his L's down dance that he did. Um, that, that, was, that will be one you will see on Twitter a lot or Facebook, wherever you go. But also passing. I mean, UK was very efficient whenever it did pass. Um, will Levis was 14 for 18 for 149 yards. Uh, they didn't really, they didn't really need to to throw the ball that much. But whenever they did decide to throw it, it typically went well. Levis really only missed one ball, and it was the very first drive of the game where he might have had Cummings for a touchdown if he didn't sell it over his head. I think he was a little amped up seeing how open he was. But I want to talk about the other side too, Sean. Malik Cunningham got a lot of praise going into the game, well deserved praise. He'd been playing some of the best football of anybody in the country. But outside of that first drive, when Louisville went on a 10-play, 75-yard scoring drive, it, it was very tough for Malik. He finished the game 12 for 20 for 145 yards. And the big thing, I thought one of the biggest numbers from the game, longest run of the night for him, nine yards. Yeah, that's a, that's a big deal. And, and given where Kentucky had been defensively leading up to that game, you, you had so many questions. And the way that game started, you kind of thought it'd be a shootout. And I didn't get to really break down and, and see every single play and stuff because I did photo on the field, and it's so different because you don't really get to see the flow of the game. But, I mean, it, it was ob obvious who played well, who's showing up in the wins majority of the time. Looking in photo gallery, it was Will Levis. But uh, just with the way that game started, I told someone in the end zone, I said, this thing's going to be like 52 to 49. And then Kentucky settled in. Uh, Josh Pascal had a huge stop on Malik there in the – I think it was the second quarter – uh, right there toward the end of the half and just uh, just a great effort by Kentucky on both sides of the ball. And you're, you're bringing up seven Russian touchdowns. The biggest takeaway for me this year with Liam Cohen, and, and I know I'm probably getting a little ahead of us from what we're wanting to do here. This has been on my mind all morning. You know, we heard so much about the passing game and stuff when uh, during the offseason, how much they needed to improve there. And they certainly did. But to me, the biggest takeaway is just the balance that they were able to find. And then even after those first couple of games of the season, you remember Stoops saying, we've got to find that balance. We've got to be able to throw it. We've got to be able to run it. I don't feel like at any point did they ever really – I mean, a couple of times I thought early in the season they tried to force some things. But Cohen showed no stubbornness to me all year, Derek, in wanting to show off the passing game. When the running game was doing what it was, he leaned on it. And then you saw him throw the ball around against Tennessee and do some other things. I, I thought that that was a very good sign for a young coordinator – a guy's first job as an OC, I thought that was a big deal. Yeah, very good point. Matt May, uh, a UK media relations uh, communications officer, he had a tweet earlier today. Um, he said at 206 rushing yards and 225 passing yards per game, UK football is on track to be the first, for the first time in school history to average 200 rushing and 200 passing yards per game. And uh, 
Right now, they sit at six five, six, uh, sorry, six point five seven yards per play, which would also be a school record for a season. Um, you're right. That's a good point to make. I mean, they had when you talk about that balance, and it, some of it was based on opponent. But just last week, they they threw for four hundred nineteen yards, or Levis did. Uh, Bo got in there and threw some too. I don't, I don't remember the exact yardage, but Levis himself threw four hundred nineteen yards. And then they come right back this week. They probably could have slung it around and had success, but they stuck out to the ground. I mean, it's pretty obvious that Louisville still, um, you know, two full seasons. And I, I get the pandemic here being in there changes things. Um, maybe, I mean, it's just different. You don't get the same kind of development that you probably would have gotten in a normal year. But three straight times, they've, they've gained over 500 yards against yeah. Louisville. And they just run the ball at will. 362 yards. Again, three straight years, they've run the ball for at least 300 yards in this game. So, I told you walking out of there, I told my brother, I was like, man, I'm I'm just not going to pick Louisville to to be close in this game until they can prove no. it. So, I mean. And I, and we're talking about that balance. It's not – and how many games did they have that they were actually balanced in a game? But it was a balance across the season. Like right. they'd have the yeah. game where they'd run for a ton of yards, they'd have the game where they'd throw for a ton of yards. But it all at the end is just equaled out to, to balance. They've been able to do – to take their game plan and do what was successful in those games. I think that's what's made them so dynamic is because you could go into games like, all right, this is the game where they need to run the ball and they do it. Well, this is the game where they need to throw the ball and they do it. And that's just, that's a very encouraging sign for year one under a new coordinator and a quarterback who I think he's coming back. I know he said this morning on SEC this morning that he would uh, make that decision soon, but, you got a quarterback who could be one of the better quarterbacks in the league next year with an offensive coordinator coming back for year two with some more weapons. And we expect some guys back like Chris Rodriguez have decisions to make, but this could be a really fun offense again next year. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about from the Louisville game? Because if not, we can kind of move into some of the season takeaways, things like that. Uh, no, I, honestly, like just that there's still a gap there. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, I mean, we're talking – There's no, they're nowhere close, Derek. I told you, I said it's not going to be close next year. And, I mean, it, it's a while. The way Kentucky's recruiting right now and the things that they're doing, as long as Mark Stoops is in Lexington, I think that this rivalry is going to be lopsided for a bit. Yeah, I mean, for Louisville, until, until you get to a spot where you can just compete on the lines. I mean, that's – if you're in a spot where you – you know, if you're coming into a game knowing you're probably going to give up 300 rushing yards, you're going to have to get a lot of help from UK, whether it be turnovers – um, whether your offense really shows up. I mean, they're – I picked a four-point game. Uh, I gave a lot of respect uh, to Louisville's offense, and uh, UK's defense rose to the occasion. It really only took getting two stops in that first half to really – I mean, the drive chart, if you're a UK fan, it's a thing of beauty because this is how their drive chart went, Sean, for Kentucky. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, halftime. So the only time they didn't score it was at the, the end of the half possession. So you come out in the second half, touchdown, 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 punt. They did not punt until the – that was when the second team offense came in. So they didn't punt until the fourth quarter, and that was when you had the second teamers in. But then even, even the second teamers scored a touchdown. They really had one possession out of 11 that they were stopped, and that was the second team. 
So that was just a dominant. And, and some of those were long drops to 12 plays, nine plays, 12 plays, seven plays, eight plays. Uh, just a thing of beauty. But that, that gets to the point like we started to talk about. I think Liam Cohen, any expectations you had, and I went back today and revisited uh, the thing I did for my column at the beginning of the season, and they, they were not hot take. You know, they, they were very logical, I thought, really maybe even low bar you could call um, predictions for the season. But what they were, one of them was Will Levis throwing for 2,500 yards, but I was going to give him, you know, that 13th game, the bowl game to get there. Well, he already got there. 23 touchdowns, the most in a season since Mike Hartline. Um, you had Wondell Robinson come in, transform the offense, put together the single best season in terms of receptions for any UK receiver. And then, like what we were talking about with Cohen, I, yeah, there were some games where it didn't look great. Uh, Florida, they couldn't throw the ball. Mississippi State, they turned the ball over a lot. But as a whole, this was a massive step forward, I thought, and really even surpassed, I would say, my expectations. I think they they performed better as an offense than what I expected this season. Is, is that how you feel coming out of this? Uh, I do. And and I think that they got that, that rhythm down about mid-year. Once they went into that LSU game, that's when I think they started getting that rhythm down. Now, we know Mississippi State was was not good. That just wasn't a good game all around offense, defense, all of it. Special teams was great. But uh, looking back on some of your predictions and stuff, you said it early. You And I know the schedule plays into that. But you said you really thought that the passing game and some other things would really start to show the improvement in the bottom half of the schedule, and they did. Uh, from Vandy on and stuff, the way the Levis's numbers and things like that, I mean, did it in a rivalry game. And, and how about this? Has there been a quarterback or a player that's just absolutely taken on every ounce of that rivalry better than he did Saturday night? <laughs> I mean, that guy, like, to me, to play quarterback, you got to have an attitude about you. And we talked about this in the preseason. When they named him team captain and he had not taken a snap at UK, a guy that was a backup at Penn State, he had to have an attitude or a presence about him that kind of just, you know, just had that leadership about him. He certainly has it. And I think a lot of it is just his craziness and his confidence. Like, that dude's nuts. Like, I watched him Saturday night. He scored that. It was on the Rodriguez touchdown. And being on the field, you get to see – a lot of different things. As soon as they scored, they're celebrating, and a Louisville player said something, he was the first person to take his mouthpiece out and pop back at him. And I'm like, man, like, that's your quarterback. You know, usually it's your lineman or something going in there and doing something. No, your quarterback's popping his mouthpiece out and so, so I'm doing something. I just think that his attitude rubbed off on a lot of people this year. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
he is someone, uh, assuming he comes back, and, I, and I'll say this too, for the first time last night, I heard some things that made me think that, uh, you know, he legitimately might have a decision to make with the NFL. I think he, he would be better off. Well, a couple things. Let me say this. I don't think Levis came to Kentucky. Actually, I know he didn't come to Kentucky in the mind of being a one and done because hell, whenever he came to Kentucky at that point, Joey Gatewood and Bo Allen were still here. And I do not think he was ever promised a starting job, but I think he did know that, you know, if he put it together, he would have a great chance to win it. So he had to earn that starting job. This is a guy who did not even go through spring practice this year at Kentucky, but this is not a great quarterback draft class. And you and I saw it the first time they ever had an open practice when Will Levis was there. Like the ball comes out of his hand differently. He is the kind of guy that I could definitely see some scouts falling in love with. Um, he's still very raw, I would say, just in terms of playing time, things like that for a, what you would consider to be, you know, one of the top four to five players in his draft class at, at quarterback. But this is not a very good year for QBs. And I'm just saying, um, you know, in a deeper quarterback draft class, I, I think it's probably a no-brainer that he comes back. But we'll see. I think – I do think he would be much better off going through another year of spring ball Um putting 13 more games on tape next year i I think long term if he wants to be an nfl quarterback i think that is what he needs to do but at the same time if you're in a spot where you know maybe maybe you're legitimately a a possible top five guy in your class i mean i can see where it'd be hard to hard to turn that down but that'll be something to watch i'm not trying to panic anybody i just do think it's probably going to be you'll start hearing more buzz for him i think especially with a good bowl performance 30 Um, 32 touchdowns yeah, 32 total. 23 passing, non-rushing. That's a guy that if he comes back next year could see get north of 40. I could see him move into that 40-plus next year if he comes back. I mean, I'd expect better accuracy. I'd expect uh, better accuracy on the deep ball, the mid-range throws, everything. Like, I, I just think that if he comes back, then you're going to have a lot of buzz about him being one of the top three quarterbacks in the league next year. Yeah, if Hendon Hooker comes back, he's one who's who's going to get more buzz than, you know, obviously Bryce Young. But besides that, you know, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see him being in that mix. He is someone that, you know, for the first time since probably – I mean, he would have more buzz certainly than what than what Mike Hartline had because Hartline was injured his junior year, came back his senior year, but he was still there with – at that point, people hadn't given up on Morgan Newton, you know? So, I mean – yeah. There was there was not a consensus that people even wanted Mike Hartline to be the QB. With Will Levis, if he comes back for senior year, it will be the most anticipated guy since you know Woodson uh, back in two thousand and six, two thousand and seven. So, Sean, let's address uh, the elephant in the room. Something that we're kind of in a holding pattern right now because it has been a crazy twenty four, forty eight hours of news. You had Lincoln Riley leave Oklahoma for USC. You had Florida hire. He didn't lie. He didn't go to LSU. You had Florida hire Billy Napier. Um, some other jobs came open yesterday. Some jobs have come open today. And kind of right here in the middle of it, still getting a lot of buzz is Mark Stoops, trying to figure out uh, what might happen. Because with OU coming open, uh, his name is obviously connected there. His brother Bob is still involved. I mean, hell, Bob's coaching the bowl game for Oklahoma. Um, obviously won a national championship there, still lives in Norman. His son is on the team uh, at OU, so still very connected. So his name gets thrown out there. But LSU is a job that uh, last week there started being a lot of buzz that uh, you saw the term fallback option. Um, You've seen just kind of connected. 
And, you know, he's, he's, he's right there kind of in the mix where you don't really know what's going to happen with him, but he posted a picture today. I don't know if you saw it because you've been out driving. Yeah. Uh, he is out recruiting with Brad White. They're currently in New Jersey or they were in New Jersey earlier. They got three stops today. Uh, they're seeing, a. I don't want to butcher this kid's name. He's a cornerback Davison uh and being son maybe is his last name i don't i don't know how to say it exactly but he's a, a four-star corner who they're going to try to get to visit officially they're trying to nail that down and then they're going to see uh tyrese fearbury who's committed to uk and then they're going to go over to detroit tonight and see uh, Dion walker who's maybe the top target left on the board out of the uncommitted guys that we know about so he's still out recruiting for uk um but sean how much uh, i guess anxiety do you have over kind of waiting to see how this plays out I had quite a bit until I saw his tweet today. And I just thought that that tweet was at the perfect time. Like we know that Mark Stoops has gone recruiting and, and he'll post things uh, that somebody will post it to his account when they get a big recruit. But how many times have we actually seen the picture of him getting off a jet or off a plane or something to go recruit? And I just think that that's a guy that not saying that he won't go to LSU if they offer, but feels like a guy that's kind of already made his mind up that, or maybe he knows the situation right now. I mean, that tweet just felt like perfect timing today. A uh, couple hours after, you know, a lot of a lot of talk on KSR this morning. I know Matt Jones talked a lot about the situation and things like that. It, it, it just felt like the perfectly timed tweet to show him boots on the ground, getting to work for Kentucky, had the for the team hashtag in there. I don't know, Derek. It just – I had a little bit of anxiety about it because I'm like, man, like, you see Oklahoma, but when I think of Oklahoma, I just think it would be a very difficult place to go. I get the connection, but at the same time, do you want to go somewhere in the legacy of your brother where he won a national title? I mean, that seems like a difficult place to go and do that. But and then LSU, I just don't know if Stoops is sexy enough for that program. What was interesting about the LSU job, and this is just me kind of loosely following it, I, I really feel like LSU thought it had Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Up until, uh, I don't know, whenever they found him, probably Saturday night, whenever he, you know, said in his press conference. So, obviously, he had made his mind up that he was going to be going to USC at that point. Uh, I don't know at what point that was communicated to LSU. But, you know, we'll, we'll see if LSU has more. I mean, the MO for oh. Scott Woodward, the AD of LSU, is to kind of have, you know, have big swings. He, he hired – Jay Johnson from Arizona for baseball, who is – they might win the national title this year. That's how good of a hire it was. Kim Mulkey won national titles at Baylor in women's basketball. Hired her back to LSU. Hired Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. Mark Stoops does not really fit the no. the profile of what he typically hires. But, again, if you if you swing and miss on a few of your top guys and you're just kind of looking for somebody who you, who you think could be a good hire, I think Stoops could be that guy. I just don't think we're at a spot yet where that's really moving that close. I think what would really help UK is Matt Campbell choosing to take yep. that job. Um, because even well, Oklahoma, like, I don't think Stoops is, I mean, I think he's going to be a candidate, but I don't, I don't think he's anywhere near the top of, of that list. And for some of that, some of the reasons you mentioned, I don't know that Stoops would even really favor that job more than LSU, to be honest with you. No. And the one job that I've always said, other than Iowa, the way he, I mean, the way he talked about Iowa on the stuff of when he talked about possibly playing them in a bowl game, uh, he mentioned his father, you know, and his father's buried with his Iowa jersey folded up uh, in the casket with him. Uh, I've always thought that that job would be one 
that could possibly, you know, lure him away from Kentucky, I think Michigan is the other one. And that's why I think that what Harbaugh's doing right now, got him in the playoff rankings, that's really good if you're a Kentucky fan. Like, you want that to continue because I've always thought that that would be the one job that Stoops might leave UK for, the the way he recruits Ohio and everything and, and his his roots and stuff there that he could dip in and recruit that area for Michigan as well. But that's always been the one elite job that I've always thought that Stoops would, it would almost be a no-brainer if that one called. I agree with you there. Um, but, yeah, I Michigan. I will say this too, though. I feel like that the the football gods are giving Kentucky another chance. So, we know the story, right, of Adolph <laughs> Ruck and uh, Bear Bryant and the the watch and the car and all this stuff. I feel like they've got another opportunity here to show how much football means to them. Give him the indoor practice facility. Give him the recruiting budget increase. Give him uh, a new, a, a better salary. Give, give the staff a better salary. Whatever you got to do, you do it. Because you and I talked about this leaving the game the other night, and I, I had somebody in Facebook comments yesterday say, well, if he leaves, he leaves. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, but it's because they're like, well, it's not a big deal. I'm like, yeah, it's a huge deal. There's no guarantee, knowing the Kentucky football history, that this program could continue this success if it's not with Mark Stoops. You would like to think that he's put this program in a position that the next hire, the guy has no excuse not to be successful, but it's Kentucky football. And there's, there's years and years of history before this, what he's doing nine win seasons, it's never been done before. There's no guarantee that it'll continue. However, I do think it's a guarantee that it will continue if he's the head man. Yeah, and that's kind of where, to me, everything in college football, it's it's expectations at Kentucky are going to be different than expectations at, you know, programs that win national championships. To me, Mark Stoops is worth paying a premium salary for whatever that number may be. I don't, I don't know what that number is. I don't know what number Stoops has in mind. I, I'm more inclined to think that Stoops um, – there's a certain level, I mean, of just, you know, wanting what's fair to you in the market value. I get that. But to me, I don't think Mark Stoops getting up to a certain number is really his top priority. I think getting the resources that he thinks he needs to continue to build this program is probably more important than how many zeros he can put in his bank account. Cause I mean, Mark Stoops is already a very wealthy man uh, or should be, I'll say with uh, all the money he's made over the years, but Having an indoor football that that should I mean that should be done, Sean. That that should not even be a that that should be a given that you that you get that yeah. done. And I don't think it it's going to be already, an issue. Yeah, no, it should already be in the works. Like it should already be having people working on it. Like that that needs to get done. Uh, to me, that needs to be the first thing that's announced pretty soon. Is the and not just that it's happened, but the plan. Right. You know what it's going to look like, everything, where it's going to be, if they're just going to renovate Nutter. I I don't know, but that that has to come. And it has to come soon. And, you know, I said this before the season started on this podcast. I wasn't going to cap what Mark Stoops – me and you have talked a lot off this podcast about what is the ceiling for Mark Stoops. What's the best it could get at Kentucky? And I always said I wasn't ready to cap it until I saw him with a, a quarterback. And now that they've got a quarterback and they've – now if, if Wondell decides to leave, he's going to get drafted. That, that would be – a guy that actually gets drafted by playing wide receiver. We know Lynn Bowden played quarterback and stuff that last year and got drafted kind of as an athlete but played wide receiver. Now, the thing with me is that you've shown you can do that. You've shown that you're starting to develop quarterbacks. 
Uh, if Will Levis goes, let's say, next year and gets drafted in the NFL, that's going to help your quarterback recruiting. The transfer portal, all these things make you that more appealing. And we talked about this transfer portal stuff about a year before the, the rule and stuff went into place. Was it going to be detrimental to Kentucky football? Was it going to help Kentucky football? I think it's evident that it's going to help Kentucky because now they're, they're appealing to these guys that, that want a second chance. I agree. I mean, I think with the money that's going to be coming in from the new ESPN TV deal, you're going to be getting Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, you can't go backwards. I mean, that you have to, the league is only going to get more competitive. I think we all understand that people who follow SEC football and uh, it can be very easy for when you're a program that is not a blue blood, you can dip back very quickly. Um, I mean, this is kind of a, you, you know, basically for all intents and purposes, uh, it, this is the golden era of, of UK football and people might laugh at that, but it's the truth. You, you know, Kentucky had won what nine games in a regular season, like five times. Yeah. Something like that. And they've done it twice in the last four years. So, and I mean, they're going to get a chance to play another quality opponent in, in a bowl game. I mean, yeah. they're probably going to be playing a ranked team. And if you get a win there, uh, we've seen what those bowl games can do. Like the Kentucky goes all out for these bowl games and whether it's Orlando, whether it's Tampa, I believe it'll be one of those two for sure. Uh, I threw out Ohio state to you the other night uh, walking out. <laughs> and then I see, I see, I don't, I didn't really give it much thought, but then I see a projection yesterday that has Kentucky and Ohio state in the citrus bowl. I mean, do I, Ohio state, I think would be a tough opponent, but I mean, Hey, like you're on the same field as some of these teams and you're having success. And I just, I just think that this is this is a golden air for Kentucky football, and fans mm -hmm. need to enjoy it, whether that lasts another year or whether it lasts 10 years. Um, I certainly think that this program can continue to improve. I think that you're, you're seeing that now, the way they're recruiting. You give them another year, and, and that's what it was always about. Like, you could say it was smoke and mirrors the first 10-win season, right? This one was different. They did it again. They did it with a balanced attack offensively that first year in 2018. It was on the ground game and on an elite defense that had Josh Allen. This one was different, but they did it again. And I think that this is a program now that is going to consistently get – they're probably going to look at eight to nine wins every year in the regular season. If they don't get it, it's because they slipped up and lost to some teams they probably shouldn't have. But what is the next step for your program? I think that obviously it would be – to get to a New Year's Six Bowl game. They had an opportunity this year. It just didn't work out. But I still think there's things for Stoops to accomplish here. And another thing, too, I don't think it would sit very well with him if he left just a couple of games away from being the all-time wins leader at UK. Uh, I mean, I would, I would like to think that that means something to him. Yeah, I, I would think so, too. But, you know, I can't – hard to say for sure if it does or not. But, yeah, he's, uh, he's at, what, 58 wins now? Yeah, he just needs uh, – Two to three tie more. and three yeah. to three to get it. So he'll get that early next season. Um, he can get it down to – he can be two wins away. I mean, theoretically, if they win the bowl game, it could be – and assuming they don't get upset in the season opener, when they go down to play Florida next year in the swamp, it, well, it could be and, a chance for him to get it. And let's say this too. We saw the Peach Bowl representatives there the other day, and you brought up a good point to me when we were walking out that they weren't there scouting – for the Peach Bowl this year. Kentucky's not getting the Peach Bowl. Louisville's not getting the Peach Bowl. But you brought up a fair point. Louisville played in that preseason game. I think that you could see that maybe on Kentucky's schedule in the future as a non-conference game that they play. Maybe that's what they were scouting. 
Could have been. I mean, it's it's they schedule these games so far out in advance. I don't really know what the what's on the agenda for those guys. Uh, but that would be a cool thing. But again, until Kentucky, you know, until they maybe get a little bit more established as a program, I doubt you're going to see them jumping at that just because they need <laughs> they need all the wins they can get. But with Stoops, I mean, this is excuse me, uh, something to follow for sure. Um, it is. Hopefully, you know, nothing happens after this podcast. It just totally makes this whole segment irrelevant. <laughs> but, for, I mean, for now, it doesn't seem like anything imminent is going to happen. He's, he's on the road recruiting. He's with Brad White, the defensive coordinator. Those two guys are, are together. And, uh, I mean, I guess you never say never in coaching searches because I don't really know all the ins and outs of how they work. But uh, it doesn't it doesn't really seem like, you know, I mean, I, you, you hope someone would work through their job and and, and – do you know their very best until they're no longer having that job but for almost all these coaching hires I mean Lincoln Riley is he's out in California now uh Sonny Dykes Rhett Lashley all these guys in Texas who are getting hired they're they've moved on from their old jobs by this point they're 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 working for their new schools now Stoops is still clearly working for UK um maybe maybe at some point there will be a word of an extension or, or what what have you but Sean, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this episode up? No, just uh, that we're we're moving into that busy, busy time. We're going to talk a lot of basketball. We got two mailbags we need to get out this week. We need a football one and a basketball one. Um, we'll be sure to get all that out this week. And thanks for sticking with us through the holiday. Yep, glad to be back at it. This is a Monday, like he said. Kentucky plays basketball tonight against Central Michigan. Depending on when you listen to this, they might have already had the uh, final result. But as a note, if you uh, listen to it before the game, a reminder that that is a SEC plus or ESPN plus, excuse me, game. So not on traditional TV. You'll have to stream that one if you want to watch it. Uh, but Sean Safe Travels, man. He's Sean Smith. I'm Derek Terry. We thank you for listening to Kentucky Daily. Want to say. Uh, Shout out our sponsor, the Butcher's Pub, three locations, London, Williamsburg, and Pineville. Get out and see those guys. Uh, have all the food you want, right, Sean? They yeah, absolutely. Wings. Well, they got your uh, chicken sandwich down there. Buffalo mac and cheese, I think, or just regular mac and cheese, one of those things that my as, wife had. As much travel as I do, and and come to find out, Josh is going to be – pretty club pretty much my neighbor here pretty soon so i'm 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 out that's why i'm traveling so much i'm out scouting future butchers pub locations there you go (laughs) building that empire but uh he's sean i'm derek and we thank you for joining us and we'll catch you next time on kentucky daily